Hey, Ballers listeners, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, sharing the latest updates and inside interviews on the Dubuque area female athletes. It's time for today's episode of Ballers. I have the privilege of being joined on the podcast by a coach that I actually had the pleasure of playing against in high school and one that really needs no introduction, but has earned it. With nearly two decades of leading the Cascade Cougars varsity girls basketball team, a record of 19 and three overall and 14 and one in the conference last season, the 2022-2023 River Valley North coach of the year and someone who underwent a life-changing kidney transplant towards the end of last season, but is back for another, Coach Michael Sconza. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Oh, humbling interview. Way too kind. I appreciate it. Um, thank you for having me on this. I think this is something that's way overdue in our area. So I'm glad you took the initiative to start these things. Coach Manaman had been doing baseball for a while, and I love baseball, but I was a basketball player. So I was like, we need to get basketball going on here. And he said, if you do the girls, I'll do the guys. And I said, that sounds fair because it's a lot to do both, especially with how long the season yep. is yep. So. you're right exactly right but now it's a good thing you guys are hitting an untapped market in the area so it's wonderful how many years have you been with the cascade cougars and what kind of got you to the varsity role i've been the head coach here for 19 years i started out two years here one year as a freshman coach uh two years as assistant varsity under uh jerry rolling uh the legendary baseball coach here in dubuque wallert and then I took a year. I was an assistant at Mount Mercy in Cedar Rapids, learned a lot there. And then the job opened up and I uh, was fortunate enough to earn the job. I think it's pretty incredible as a female basketball player. And in high school, I knew how important it was to have the right coach in the right positions, whether it was freshman through varsity, those roles matter. As a junior high basketball coach, I hope they understand how much care I put into it leading up to varsity because it's every coach leading up, no matter what your position is, whether you're assistant coach or you're coaching third grade leads up to these girls experience in basketball. Oh, hundred percent. I get the finished product of everybody else's work. I mean, you know, we have tournament teams from third to eighth grade. We've been lucky enough to have that for quite some time now. But the parents are very good coaches. They're good volunteers. The kids listen. They keep coming out. They compete. They come to open gyms in the summer with us. And, oh, but it's not, it, trust me, it's not even close to anything that I do. I just get them when they are much more polished and ready. And like I said, it's uh, many hands take care of this. And I'm fortunate to have kids that have been through the system with great parents and great coaches and you're exactly right. It's, it's just, it's never one person. It's never going to be one person. Cascade does have an incredible program though. From day one, the coaches are all about fundamentals. And that's one thing I've grown up knowing is fundamentals are important, but Cascade, all the coaches continue to enforce fundamentals. And that's something in the game that needs to keep going. But as varsity coach leading a great program, it gives younger girls the desire to want to continue to play. If they know I'm going to go to a great program, you're doing your job too. Yeah, I appreciate it. To your point, you know, everybody, every coach in this area is, I mean, the girls basketball has really come a long way in the last 20 years in this area. And, um, you know, the coaches from here, from Coach Thomason at Beckman to Coach O at WD to the, to, to the uh, core in Dubuque, I mean, we've been beneficiaries of a very big upturn in girls basketball over the last couple of decades. And every single coach that I know in this area, preaches playing fundamental and, and not playing selfish basketball. And I think that's a, an echoing of our area. 
I agree. We'll come back into your career a little bit. I'm sure you have quite a list of great memories, players, moments, but can you highlight a few that really stick out during your coaching career? I have a hard time talking about myself, but I have no problem talking about players. I mean, we've been fortunate enough to have some very good teams and uh, very competitive teams that play really hard. I was fortunate enough to be along for the ride that when we were, you know, in 2008, 2007, 2008, we had a team that kind of improved dramatically we made a run and made it to the state finals ended up losing to a really really good team but it was uh kind of an eye-opening experience for me to see everything on a higher level but those kids to this day I still revere those kids and appreciate everything they've done we've had really good athletes at Cascade High School and not a lot of kids who are just one sport athletes and that's what we need in small schools as you know coming from Beckman Catholic that Whenever we have time with them, we work with them, but we know they're playing volleyball. We know they're playing, they're running track. We know they're playing softball, but that to me is the biggest thing to have competitors and athletes that compete, like I said, but sometimes we do get some very good players. I've been lucky enough to coach some really, really good ones. One was Ashley Arlen, who is now in the area, I think, working with Harris Takis with his uh, AAU program. She's played, she played Iowa State for a year, made the Elite Eight, and then she was Division II Player of the Year at Wayne State. Played overseas quite a bit. I know she was in Australia, Romania, Germany, Spain, England. Um, she was MVP of that league. I know I've coached a slew of them, but the one that is most recent right now in my mind is Nicole McDermott. Probably the best basketball player I've ever coached. Ireland's probably the best athlete that I've coached. It's hard. It's hard to go back and forth on the two, but Nicole is doing wonders at Clark. I mean, not only did she help us win a title here, at Cascade High School, she's won a national title at Clark last year, and she's a two-time All-American. Those two players stick out, and that team really sticks out for me. So I'm fortunate. I'm a lucky yeah. guy. What I love, too, is when the players come back, even to help at, like, a camp or a program or help the coach bring, you know, new insights from college or overseas, things like that. That's a huge thing to have these athletes come back. I know the younger players all the way through high school really appreciate hearing a point of view from another player and we can always use the updated insights. And you definitely have had a long list of great players and athletes come through. That's for sure. The big thing is both of them. Yeah, I, I pick their brains all the time. I say, hey, what shooting drill do you like to do in college? What's what's a, what's a, what's a quick set you run or what things are you seeing that's really good? I pick their brain as much as anybody. So Key to great coaching is to continue to learn and to can you continue to stay updated the new stuff. I'm sure the girls perk up because there's not many um basketball players in the area especially females who have gone to that high level you know and, and, and credit to her that she's been able to do that and you know she's a mother too so in this day and age she's a working mother and professional athletic mother too but her daughter's doing really well with her and she's gotten to see quite a bit of the world already which i'm jealous of we're, we're lucky <laughs> once again yeah. the word is lucky with us she was an all-american at clark she teach her in fourth grade at Cascade. I think she signed. I got her to be an assistant before she got a teaching job, maybe. So she's excellent. Wonderful mind. She's Ernie Bolaba has been with me for 15 years. He's a gentleman that is now the transportation director in Dubuque. He is one of my best friends, and he's easily one of the smartest people I've ever been on basketball-wise. There's times that I catch him going, Ernie, these are not college players. These are high school players. We can't run that. Well, <laughs> might have been a slip there. I'm going, listen, we're just running the ball screen, buddy. <laughs> Sometimes I, but he always, both of those guys always challenge me, my thinking and always challenge me. And I have no problem with it because they make me 10 times better. Claire Maloney's also helping us. She played here and she's one of the best athletes, very good basketball player, 
and she knew her role really well, but she also thought the game very well. And she's another one that it's, I'm surrounded by people who are smarter than me and quicker thinking than me. And they help me. And another thing too, is people don't realize is I've been here. I've been lucky to be here almost two decades, but the, this program would not be what it is without Al Marshall, the boys basketball coach, legendary coach here. I basically was with him for about 12 years and working side by side with him and watching his practices and teams. You will never understand how much of an impact that man has had on me and this program. He's easily one of the best coaches in this country. His attention to details unmatched. And now I work across the hall from Jake Brendel, who used to be the boys basketball coach here. And, you know, I get a double dip quite a bit from those two whenever I see him. So, like I said, I surround myself with people who are way better than me and they make me want to be better. I appreciate all their work. That's a great tip for anyone. Surround yourself with people who will push you to set your dreams higher, to set your skills set higher at all times. We are taking a quick time out from today's episode to hear from one of our sponsors. To win in sports, you have to adapt your strategy as the game changes. The same is true of investments. Matt Owens, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can review your game plan. Call 563-875-6266 today. Edward Jones, member SIPC. So now we're going to head into the upcoming season. Like I said, I'm a trailblazer. I bleed green and gold. But I have so much respect for the outstanding players who have come out of your program throughout the years, including a few from last year. Can we talk about any of the players who maybe received some all state, all district or all conference awards and the ones that, you know, you had to say goodbye to. But now the ones that are going to step up in their roles because they're coming back. All four of them went off to college and are doing something extracurricular, which is great. Returning for us, though, Molly Rowling is our point guard. She was our leading scorer last year. She's taking on a bigger role of trying to make people a lot better while mixing in the ability of we need her to look to score. She's being more vocal. She's being a better leader than she has in the past. Not saying she wasn't a good one. She's just kind of stepped up quite a bit. We rely on her to anchor our defense and hit the boards hard. Plus she needs to score the ball a little bit more efficiently this year. So those are our two big returning starters. But once again, we're going to have to be a team with it. You know, we have Seniors like Claudia Noonan and Maggie McDermott uh, who are going to play and step up right away. Claudia to be able to hit threes. Maggie's got to give us some minutes in the post. Addison Frake is the one that I think could have the biggest jump for us. She's a sophomore, 5'10", plays inside and out. Getting her to not be timid and be uh, consistent is huge for us. Uh, in fact, we put a quota in this year with her that she has to take three shots a quarter. For she has to take 12 shots a game, minimum, minimum. I and really she- like that. You got to put in something because yeah. if, if I say go shoot it and she shoots six shots a game, to me, that's detrimental to our team. Yeah. We need her to be productive. And I know I say, hey, if you don't shoot 12 shots a game, you're going to run the difference. So she shoots eight and she misses four. She runs whatever we run. So she's getting her across it. We need her to score. Other players that will help us, I think Kate Green is a phenomenal athlete. She was a member of the state championship. The shuttle hurdle team a couple of years ago. We got another girl that's kind of a bulldog, Ellen Nauman. She's a really good, kind of a meat and potato player. Again, plays hard, plays extremely hard. Has been playing really well for us, solid. Once she takes care of it, be able to hit a couple shots, that'd be big for us. You know, outside of that, we have Kaylin Lammy's a junior that's long, still learning the game, but she could help us. Claire Bergfeld's another one that could help us. Long, lengthy athletes. And then after that, it's a, it's a wide open game. I'm trying to make sure I hit everybody here. But right now, we're going to be about eight deep. And then from there, we'll see if we can develop more. I got to attend 
several of the games that Beckman played Cascade last year, but your players were great. I mean, they're green. They're very young. And what people forget in high school basketball is the changes, especially females, are going through just in general. We're growing, you're learning, your brains are developing, things like that. So when you have last year a sophomore like Molly Rowling doing a job and then this year she's coming in more mature, outspoken, things like that, she's going to become a leader as point guards need to do. As somebody who is a young point guard and needed to lead upperclassmen, it it takes a little bit to get that fire lit, but once it is, it changes everything. And I love that you're pushing these players. You're saying, you know, you have a green light, shoot 12 shots a game. I'm not saying you have to make all 12, but we need you shooting that many so we can make half at least kind of thing. You hit the nail on the head there that, you know, I've been teaching high school for quite some time and you see a huge difference in maturity level and physicality between their between their sophomore junior year. I mean, that's just the way it is. They come in as young pups for two years, kind of meddling around. And then all of a sudden, junior year, they just seem more mature, older looking. And, you know, even kids who may not understand this is that if you put a little bit of time in for basketball, it's amazing how much a year experience helps you as a player and helps you helps me as a coach because I see things that are, oh, she wasn't able to do that last year. This is good. It really does. It's wide open for more people to step up. And a lot of times, you know, even between next year or this year and next year, these kids will put time in in the summer. The ones who really want it find their place next year. We'll talk about some rule changes. Um, High school girls basketball has gone through a couple in the last couple of years. First, we had the shot clock last year, which that's a big change, especially as players, you know, you're taught like, okay, we're up by a lot towards the end of the game. Like, let's slow it down. And you're like, no, we only got 35 seconds. So it really changes the speed of the game, which I do enjoy watching. But now this year we're dealing with the change in team fouls as far as going from the bonus one and one, things like that, to five fouls a quarter. How are you guys preparing for that? How do you feel about that? The the foul thing is is unique because it's a it's a dual-edged sword. I mean, Al Marshall's team used eight fouls a game, and it was like criminal when they had over eight. But we foul a lot, and that's a concern for me because we play hard and we compete. That's my concern is that we'll foul a lot on defense and not adjust that we'll give them free bunnies. That that's my concern. But on the other on the other side, we are preaching much more attacking the rim and kicking, pounding the ball inside because we want to take advantage of that rule and pick up those five right away and get to the line. Because what what, what people will slowly understand is what was taken away from the game was the one and one. Great the, the pressure that goes with the one and one is gone now. And way I've been thinking about it is you're going to have to think that most people are going to make at least one of the two free throws in the game situation to foul. Let's say you're up three and you foul and the first girl misses the first one. You think at one and one, we get the rebound and go, but now it's make one out of two. It's a full front game. Game's over. I like the rule. I think it's great. I think it's going to reward teams that are aggressive and reward teams that are disciplined on defense, but also at the same time, end of game situations are going to be very unique when it comes to the double bonus rule now straight away as a very aggressive player who tend to lean towards the four fouls or more a game once in a while it would have been tough for me to have this five foul rule as far as team play but I definitely think it will be fun and interesting to watch how teams handle it especially towards the end of the game if you want to get somebody on the line or avoid the line we'll change the strategy with what are you going to do foul wise and uh, end of games I think that's where you're going to see it most is end of games just like the shot clock last year we had, I think, three shot clock violations all last year, and we maybe forced three. Um, I remember one game where we were at the end, and we had to think about, okay, there's 43 seconds left. Do we want to foul now, save time, and go? Or 
I mean, we were doing math in our head. Well, we let them get down to 35. They shoot at five. We get the rebound. We'll have 14 seconds left. I mean, it's just, it's, you know, shot clock's great. And I love the fact that we are copying the women's game in college. Yeah. I just think the next, the next bump will be, do we start going to halves, extend the game like Wisconsin does, go to 18-minute halves? Do we go to advance the ball to half court at a timeout? The women's game's got it right. They got it right. And I like the trickle-down effect that is coming to high school ball. So we'll have to wait and see. We're always adjusting. I do love the trickle-down. Girls, obviously, watching Caitlin Clark, things like that, are now seeing the game come down to their level of the same place. I'm sure they get excited, like, you know, they see how the Hawkeyes handle it, and then they get to handle it that way. Become a sponsor for the Ballers Podcast and hear your name or ad on our next show. Now back to our interview with Coach Skanza. Now we're going to rewind a little bit and we're going to go to last season. What went well for the Cougars last season? I mean, you guys were 14 and one in conference and 19 and three overall. So there's a lot that went right last year. Tell us a little bit about what went right. Maybe some of the struggles that you dealt with that you're hoping to improve upon for this season. We started off 16 and one and our one loss was at Decorah and Decorah was a state bound team for a, it was a game that I just, I asked about eight schools if we needed a game every inch in doing a home and away between two years. Decorah's the only school that got back to me. Well, then I get into it. They have two D2 kids and some studs. So we got pounded uh, up there pretty well. But after that, kids maturity got better. The big tone from last year was our improvement. A lot of people stepped up. Karen Huffman, who's now at Clark playing softball, stepped up. Devin Simon averaged 10 a game. She's not playing softball at Iowa. Then we had Alyssa Locks, who played a little bit better. Her senior year shot it well. She's now playing ball at Iowa Central Community College. Those three did really well in stepping up their games. That was a big part of us. Um, our defense was okay, not as sharp as I wanted. Our rebounding was our Achilles heel. We were not physical enough. We were not tough enough. After we were 16-1, and one, some things came up that changed the end of the season for me. But the team, Morgan took over the last – it didn't matter who was coaching – our Achilles heel was exposed those two games and they just ate us apart with their physicality. And that was the big difference in our season. And, you know, we ended up 19-3 in a conference, but it was just, it's tough, tough to lose to Beckman and tough to get beat in a big game like that. Mm-hmm. It's a double dose. So that was our wrap up from last year. It was a great year, but uh, what a very, let's just say very emotional ending. Yeah. I would agree. I was at the games that Cascade played Beckman and at that final game. I was very happy for my trailblazers. I hate that we always have to meet in that situation. We talk about it, baseball, everything. Like, why can't we meet down at state and like enjoy having two teams there? But it never gets like that. Yeah, geography makes a difference (laughs) there. But yeah, no, Coach Thomason's done an outstanding job there. And the way they play, how disciplined they are. But I'm telling you, we got absolutely pounded Mm -hmm. last year physically. Now, Hopefully we got a little bit stronger, a little bit better. We're kind of implementing more at this high school for a whole school strength and conditioning stuff. And it, it's long needed for my girls. Long I, needed. I will say too, a lot of times you can take that loss and like this season, it's going to be a whole different ball game for sure. You have different players, but all some of the girls were already there and you guys are increasing your strength, all that stuff. You'll be ready to play again this year against it. Well, the, the big thing is, you know, a book I read once that a season is a lifetime. And then you can't cross the same river twice. No seasons are the same. So everybody changes. People come and go. Coaches change. Coaches change philosophy. 
transfers come in and out and you never know. You never know what the game of basketball. So it's so fun about it. So you talked about how you guys played Decor last year, which showed you, you know, like you played against some big dogs. Do you have plans to play some big dogs like that again this season? Yeah, our schedule is um let's just say I I I we have a tough schedule. If you start in the conference, there's I mean, on our side, and I'm talking about Beckman Catholic, too, that we have to play Makokita, who's ranked in the top 10 in 4A. We have to play him twice. We have to play Monticello, who's going to be a top 18 in 3A. Play them twice. Then you got a slew of games where, you know, Beckman, ourselves, Bellevue, Northeast Goose Lake will all be will, will all be tough games. Our non-conference games, we open up with Springville, who's always good. They're going to have a good guard and a really, really good coaching staff and a really good big girl, too. Uh, but non-conference games, uh, we go to West Branch. We uh, host uh, Decorah this year on a Saturday, so another 4A ranked team coming to our place. And then we end the season with uh, Northland, uh, the number one team in 1A. So uh, those are our four non-conference games. And you trickle in the fact that our conference is tough. I mean, we have more than half our games will be against ranked teams. And we scrimmage pretty heavily, too, against really good teams. This last Saturday, we went to Solon. They're uh, number one in 3A. We play Makokita there. Yep. Just get, get their minds around that. I love it. it sounds like your schedule's pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, all around, it sounds like the whole River Valley North Conference is going to be a battle. Yeah, Makokita and Monticello will be, uh, they'll be head and shoulders above the rest of us. But there's a slew of us that I mentioned before that ugh, it's going to be a dogfight for those next positions. So yeah. they'll, they'll make us better, which is great. Exciting. And that Springville game is on November 25th. So the Saturday yes. after Thanksgiving. So anybody yeah. looking for, you know, something to do over Thanksgiving yeah. to come and uh, watch the Cougars play. Right. We're rivalry, yeah. We're a rivalry Saturday at Kirkwood. So we awesome. have the 15 game, which is great. And yeah. then after that, there's about seven other games that like, my God, the matchups are insane. So um, I know there's stuff on the internet about it. Coach Monk at Mac Valley runs it. It uh, does an excellent job, but uh, I know WD also plays in it. They may play Esterville, Lincoln Central. Um, I, I, they, they, there's a lot of studs there. All I know is we're lucky we have the first game. So Yeah, we'll I will definitely it. be sharing information about that event. So people, yeah. I mean, young girls, adults alike, like it sounds like a great day of some oh, it's, basketball. It's awesome. That it's is awesome. Become a sponsor for the Ballers Podcast and hear your name or ad on our next show. Now back to our interview with Coach Sconza. If our audience doesn't know, we've kind of hinted at it and talked about it a little bit. You were diagnosed with kidney disease over 10 years ago, leaving you with two kidneys that were at like a 10% or lower function. function. So your wife donated a kidney to somebody in Georgia to get you bumped up in the donor transplant list. Which, what it sounds like from the articles I've read, you found out about it like right either during or right before a very big comeback game. But then yeah. you also found out, you know, you were going to have to be doing this surgery on Valentine's Day. Yeah. So that changed your season. Yeah. Kind of, if you, you don't have to dip too deep into the whole thing, yeah. like get as personal as you want, but kind of talk about that whole situation and how it affected your team, like your coaching staff and like how it was. I mean, I know as a coach, even for my junior high kids, if I had to watch on a screen, like how hard it is be watching instead of there. Yeah. It, you know, I've had, I have not, I've not been blessed with great health. I mean, a couple of years ago I had a stroke and missed the whole season. 
I'm starting to get back to more or less normal, but I still have, you can see that I'm still disabled in certain areas when I walk. Mm-hmm. Um, so missing a season that was awful, but I had the stroke before the day before the season started. And I'm, I watched all the games. I listened to them. I was there for half of them, but watching it is awful. It's yeah. awful. It's, it's like, it's like, uh, it, it's just torture. I mean, it's like Sisyphus rolling up the hill on the, the rock up the hill thinking, oh, I'm going to get back. And all of a sudden rolls back down. But that was past history. This past year, uh, <clears throat> my wife and I were at a checkup meeting um, for our uh, Dr. Whalens in Dubuque, uh, my, my uh, nephrologist. And we were talking about, I'm on a transplant list. I got that done last summer. And we went down for the day at Iowa City and, and had a whole day of, of tests and information, what to expect. And um, when we were at the meeting with Dr. Whalen, and I just said, she, she the, the, one of the nurses said, well, you never know when it's going to be. And I go, is it going to be during basketball season? And my wife goes, oh, no, I won't be during basketball season. Well, so long story short, I was getting ready for a game at Comanche. We're on a road, going to take an hour-long trip south. My son comes downstairs and says, hey, it's Iowa City. And I go, oh, no. Not No, it was one of those things where I was being selfish for 30 seconds. Then I realized, okay, wait a minute. And they said that we have a match for you. And it was a gentleman in Washington, D.C., who has was the same age. Um, had the same blood type and the kidney looked really good and that everything was, and they said, you're going to be here. I had no choice in the game. Everything. The, 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 I mean, the game, basketball is a game. I mean, mm-hmm. let's not kid ourselves here to have the orchestra of the kidney being taken out of the gentleman in DC flown to Iowa city on February 14th. That's when I had it. Um, then my wife getting surgery in the morning, donate her kidney, her kidney's on the way to the South somewhere. My kidney comes in at seven 30 at night, the minute, um, I mean, the minute the first quarter ended in our first tournament game, I go under and I wake up at midnight and all of a sudden I have tubes coming out of every orifice of my body and I have a new kidney. And, um, you know, it, it was, it's humbling, but you have to take a step back and realize that it, it, it's a game. I mean, the girls are going to be fine. They're going to move on. The coaches did an outstanding job. Morgan's outstanding. And she'll be a great leader someday, either in this program or another, whatever she decides to do. But the, the whole point was that the, I hope the girls get out of it is that one, it's a game. And two, you got to be unselfish in life if you really want to make things happen. My wife gave up a piece of her body to make sure that I lived so I could get one on the back end. Um, the Iowa Donor Network was, was phenomenal with us. University of Iowa Hospital Clinics might be the best thing the state has to offer. And, um, you know, I was out of the hospital the day after the Beckman game where we lost in the tournament. Uh, I remember listening to KDST in the hospital. I remember the nurses coming in changing my tubes and getting me up to walk around. And, you know, it was, it was sad to see the game end the way it did. But with me sitting in a, with a new kidney in the hospital, I, I would take that 10 times, 100 times over. I mean, you know, I was, I was diagnosed with a kidney disease called polycystic kidney disease. That somewhere along the line, my mom or my birth dad had the gene for it. And what happens is you have polyps. Big cysts are building on your kidneys. And they start basically taking away your function. My kidneys are my kidneys are still in me today. They don't have any really function left. But the time I went to surgery was I had about 5% function in both kidneys total. And um, the, the crazy part was... I was starting to feel some of the effects, morning sickness, vomiting, 
um, being very tired. I was tired for a long time. But um, what happened was I had never had to go on dialysis. I think that was um, just as important that I didn't want to coach basketball season while being on dialysis. But long story short, we got everything done. Um, I feel really good now. I'm still honored and humbled by my wife. Every time I see her, I'm like, this is, you know, we can say I love you to people, but how often are you willing to give a piece of your body yeah. to someone else to help you? My wife is uh, everything to me as my family is. And I'm lucky enough to have this job at Cascade High School. And I'm lucky enough to get a contract to come back again. So, like I said, awesome story. And, um, you know, it, you know, it, it, it's bigger than basketball. So whatever happened at the end of the year, that that was just the way it is. It's life. I appreciate you sharing like so much of your story, because if that doesn't touch everyone, I don't know if people have a heart because honestly, like I'm getting emotional thinking about your wife's sacrifice, yeah. you putting like, I mean, it, you put it perfectly. It's a game, basketball's yeah. game. And yeah. While it's very important to these high school kids in the moment, yeah. they got to see how important something bigger than the game is, which I think is huge yeah. for them as young adults as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. how you handled everything. I mean, you like your your staff was great. I would agree. Like, I mean, you couldn't have expected more. The girls played as hard as they could. And and oh, yeah. it was a sad way to end the season, but it was a great outcome for you. And now the now the community still gets to have you. And Cascade is a great community. Yeah. I, I felt like everybody was there backing you, the girls, yeah. the school. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Cascade, five star for how you guys came together last yeah. year and the, in the year past yeah. as well. One of the hardest things, though, was when we found out it was a Tuesday and I had to ask people I really trusted. I said, how am I going to break this to these kids? I said, I, I'm going to have a hard time with it. How do I tell them? What do we do? Well, we kept it under wraps until the, after the Monticello game. and. You know, I walked in. It was an emotional game. We came back. It was crazy game. We were down ten with about a buck forty-four or two fifteen left. I'm not sure. Eleven nothing run. We ended up winning it. I'm in the locker room crying, and the kids think it's because of the game. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> um, and I had to tell them that was hard. But what I did after that was I I stepped away and helped where I could. But Morgan ran the team for the rest of the season after I was done. I I had to step away. Mm -hmm. um, they don't need me there. and I don't need my ego to be coaching teams and doing that. But yeah, the, the whole point of the story is that you say life is going to be a lot more important than putting a round ball in the hole. And I think the kids know that in the moment, it may be like a big deal when you're between the lines or on the bench, but the minute after, you know, you have to be yourself. You have to be the kid. You have to move on. Life goes on no matter what you do. So, oh, yeah. No. We, uh, I actually coached against Cascade the other night and I told the girls, okay, for these four quarters, those girls aren't your friends. So the second the game's over, you guys are friends. Like, and they, yeah. you know, like that's something too, that they need yeah. to understand. Nothing's personal. It's yeah. just in the game, you're in that mm -hmm. moment. And then you step mm -hmm. off. It's like, it's life yep. going on. Well, so. we, we, I heard a good quote this year at Conic uh, in Wisconsin that it was uh, the coach at Marquette, Megan Duffy. She was doing a great clinic and she said, you know, I want you guys to kill each other, kill each other. But the minute you're off the floor, you're yourself. Don't, you know, if, you, if you're Mike, you're Mike off the court. If you're Amy, you're Amy off the court. Be yourself, you know, and that means these days, go get your cell phone, talk to your friends and do whatever. So, yeah, yeah I want the kids to be kids afterwards because basketball at most, most kids get three to four years of high school basketball and then 
Believe it or not, when they turn 18 and graduate from high school, it's a whole different game. <laughs> if you want basketball to be part of your life, there's avenues for that. But if not, you're going to find something else you, you love even more. Basketball teaches you a lot, <laughs> for sure. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. What are your expectations for the Cougars this year? And are like we talked about your schedule. Is there any like big games you're like, people need to check this out? I mean, we know the Springville week weekend <sighs> game is gonna be great, but what else? Well, I wouldn't say I mean those are big games for us, but I think a lot of them we won't be won't be expected to do too well in them, which is which is the reality of it. We're raw right now. We're raw, we're learning. Um, and the key thing I tell my kids is we're going to be the best we can be with what we got. Okay. And I want to be a tough out all season, but I want us to be the best we can be come early February. Yep. So we're going to take some on the lumps. We're going to take some lumps. There's no doubt about it. But like, it, it's a process. It's about getting better. It's about wanting to get better. And it's about being the best you can be with what you got. I mean, it, you know, I mean, if you're not that good, you make the kids better and they're competitive, you did your job. You know, if you have a great team and they get better, you did your job. If you have a great team and they don't get better and they don't maximize their potential, that's where, you know, you got to think of yourself as a coach that, okay, I got to get better and make sure this never happens again. So, you know, there's, there's a story I, I tell kids all the time. That I, actually, I don't tell kids, but, you know, my first four years in high school, I coached a Division One athlete and a Division Two athlete. Ashley was going to Iowa State. Ashley Arlen, and then Lana Otting was going to Upper Iowa. I had two great players. We never made it past the third round of the tournament. I'm probably one of the few coaches in the state to have a Division I kid, now pro, and a Division II kid never make it anywhere near going to a sub-state final or going to uh, the quarterfinals in Des Moines. So that is something I always remember about myself, that if you don't get better – you got to understand if you're not that good, you got to get better as a coach. That's what always drives me is the fact that, you know, I've been lucky enough to have kids that compete. We've been, we've been holding our own, but I still remember my first four years. I still feel like a failure because of that. So that's no, how you get that. That's definitely a sign of a, a great coach is when you're not thinking about the wins, it's actually harder to come up with all the great things when more you're like, these are the things yeah. that I learned from and yep. took away from instead. Yep. No, so. yeah. That's great. So you guys have any fundraising tournaments, events like that coming up? Well, our fundraising is, uh, and this is open to anybody that wants to do it. A couple of years ago, I was at a, uh, another clinic in Chicago. And there's this gentleman who said, I don't do open gyms in the summer or camps. And I'm like, what? And he said, I just do, I open the gym. I'm home all summer. I open the gym about 25 times and the kids know when I'm there. You want to come to them. And I said, oh, my God, that's genius. So last couple of summers, might be two summers now, three summers maybe, that we have our fundraiser is they come in. I, I put 21, 22 days in the schedule where I'm in the gym. Anybody from third to 12th grade comes in and, and I, you know, they have an opportunity to come in for an hour each day, though, that I'm there. And, you know, it costs, I think, like 17 bucks to do it all summer so. You break it down, it's like a, it's like 87 cents a day. It's how great <laughs> it is. Um, but no, my whole point is I don't care about the fundraising. I care about getting the kids to have a basketball in their hand more than four days in a row at a camp. So if I can see a kid and develop a relationship over, let's say, 17 of the 21 days, they come when they can. So I, I guess a lot of the kids do show up a lot more than you think. And especially for the younger kids, it's great to see the older kids there. And oh, yeah. it's great for me to see the younger kids and work with them. 
Um, other things, we have a youth tournament here. I think everybody in America has a youth tournament now. We have a tournament here this weekend. And other things that we do, I mean, I know that fundraising-wise, I don't do much fundraising. I don't want to hit the kids up for money. I do not want to hit the community up for money. Um, so really, we just are fundraising stuff in the summers, open gyms. Our town does an excellent job um, helping people. I'm a huge beneficiary of that. Ten times over, I'm a huge beneficiary of it. But we, I think as well as Dyersville, is probably in the same group. We're a small town, but God, do we fundraise a lot. <laughs> we fundraise <laughs> a lot. And it's like, at some point, we got to take a, just, just take a little pressure off and just yeah. So. I, I really like the open gym concept for you kids all the way to high school. I know there's times where there's that don't necessarily go to Beckman, but that I see that's never had like a basketball. So to have access to not only a basketball, but a hoop yep. and other kids who want to play is huge yeah. because I think that's definitely something that's kind of got like decreased, you know, in the last five, 10 years is kids playing with each other. Yeah. Oh, no. Everything, everything now is, you know, it's different. I mean, as an older guy, all you did was go play pickup out in the park. Now there's two things that happen. One, girls don't play pickup unless there's a guy or a coach, male or female, excuse me, that is there to instruct them what to do. Mm -hmm. And B, nobody plays outside either. So yeah, (laughs) those things are gone. But with these open gyms, I don't care who it is. It comes. I've had kids from Young kids from WD come over. I had a girl from a Coconut Valley this year come down. I do not care. It's open to anybody. They want to come and work, fine. I mean, I, I just don't care. I mean, as long as kids have a basketball in their hand, they want to get better. That's all I care about. So You might even be seeing a couple of my kids this year then. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I, usually send the, I usually send the stuff out in May if anybody has any questions. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you want to add before we close out this episode of Ballers? Well, one, I think you've given me way too much praise as a coach. I'm not as good as you think I am. Um, (laughs) I've had kids that are phenomenal competitors, and I've had coaches that have made me way better from Coach Marshall, Coach Brendel, and my staff is is just phenomenal. So, And, you know, there's people that have beaten me many times, and that has fueled me to want to get better. And I I owe a tip of cap to them that, you know, sometimes the only way you learn is by losing and wanting to get better. And that definitely has been the case with me. um, I just hope I can do this as long as I can. And like I said, I'm, I'm really lucky um, to be here with these kids. So we'll see what happens this year, but you know, who knows, but I really appreciate you doing this. I think it's a wonderful idea for girls basketball and, you know, it, it's, it's something that's much needed. You're welcome, but this wouldn't be possible without you and the other coaches in the area, giving us your time to help get the word out. And that's the game horn and the end of today's episode featuring Coach Skanza and the season preview for the Cascade Cougars. Make sure to subscribe to the Dubuque Area Sports Podcast to hear more about the Dubuque Area girls basketball teams and area athletes. Take a minute to leave a review and let us know how we're doing. Follow Ballers Podcast on Instagram and make sure to vote for this week's Money Player of the Week.